As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC football podcast. It's Thursday, which means that I'm your host, David Ubbin, here with Mitch Light, one of our uh, athletic college football editors. Mitch, uh, we we follow up last week's, uh, we'll call it an appetizer of SEC football with uh, a continental breakfast of football of football across the SEC. No real huge showdowns this week. Uh, we're going to get into every game here in a second, but any any dominant themes you're keeping an eye on? Well, we do. Uh, we must say, David, it is only uh, – we're midweek here, so we you know the schedule could look entirely different later That's in the week. That's also true. I, I think – and people have mentioned this if you see on Twitter. I think an underplayed storyline nationally is almost that Arkansas is favored over LSU. And mm-hmm. we're talking about arguably – the greatest team we've seen in college football ever, some people say, last year, LSU. And Arkansas, one of the worst SEC teams we've seen in the past two or three decades. As proven by San Jose State. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who is now 4-0, by the way. Uh, yes. we'll, we'll talk about them on our Mountain West pod later. Sure. Um, but our, it, it, it's remarkable on both fronts, LSU and Arkansas. So I don't know how good that game is going to be, but the fact that it is Arkansas's favored, other than that, you know, Tennessee Auburn's interesting. It really, you know, it's not. We love SEC football. We're going to watch the games, but you know, yeah. I, it's you know probably not a great intro to an SEC pod. We should be a little more enthusiastic. <laughs> but David, these games, all of them are going to be fantastic. Can't wait to talk about them. Listen, honesty is the best policy. This yeah. is a good. Uh, this is a good life lesson. Well, uh, if I'm being honest, I hope that all of you guys are subscribing to Football and Grits. If you're not, you should change that. You can have uh, every show that we have Monday through Friday delivered to your device directly. If you have subscribed, thank you. Leave us a review. uh, Give us a five-star rating. It only helps the show. And, of course, tell a friend. We've got a full week of content uh, on our uh, site, on the uh, podcast network. And, of course... uh, you know, with with everyone on our college football team. Uh, if you are not a subscriber to the Athletic, 
accessing everything that we have, all of the beauties behind the paywall, you should change that. You can go to theathletic.com slash grits. You can read uh, all of our team, my work, all of our SEC team, uh, all of our you know, uh, 400 plus some writers from the West Coast to the UK. Um, and of course, our podcast network. You can listen to all of those shows ad free. Uh, Mitch, let's get into the games. Am I, uh, am I wrong in saying that Tennessee Auburn is the most interesting game of the week? I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I think Auburn is one of the more undervalued teams in the SEC right now. I think we kind of forgot mm-hmm. about them. They, they lost badly at Georgia. No great sin in that. And then the South Carolina game, you know, the result is the result. That's what matters. But South Carolina, Auburn threw that game away, literally. You know, Bo Nix throws three picks there. It doesn't take care of the ball. South Carolina looked in the first half. I mean, Auburn looked in the first half like it was going to kind of run away with things there. So I, I think this is still a pretty good Auburn team. It's 4-0 when Bo Nix doesn't throw an interception. 0-2 when he doesn't. They held Ole Miss, we know how good Ole Miss is offensively, to 28 points, 5.6 yards per play, and then they dominated LSU two weeks ago. So I think this is a tough spot for Tennessee because I think Auburn's just, quite frankly, a lot better than they're getting credit for. Yeah, I think uh, it's been an interesting couple weeks in Tennessee. Uh, Everyone hates everything. Everyone's (laughs) mad at everyone all the time here in Tennessee. Uh, It's a little bit toxic, I got to say. You know, Tennessee's coaches and players are kind of all saying the right things. But Tennessee fans always have this, like, simmering anger that I think is uh, the product of not being very good for a decade. And when it really turns, like I think it did at the Arkansas game, it just sort of amps up and it goes from a simmer to like a light rolling boil. And and right now, you know, that's kind of where Tennessee is operating. And anytime they play games in that environment, it's interesting. And that's what they're doing. I mean, Tennessee, I, Jeremy Pruitt always matches up well with Gus Malzahn's offenses. We've seen that uh, a lot dating back to his time um, at Alabama. And then, of course, Tennessee going on the road in Auburn two years ago. And what was kind of a breakthrough game for them in year one, um, you know, looking back, it's still probably the biggest win that he had, that or uh, Kentucky later in 2018. Um, you could maybe make a case for Indiana, but, you know, regardless, there's not one that's clear in a way, and you can make a case for that Auburn game, and, and they need this one. Can they get it? Uh, that's a different question. We'll see. I don't think I'd be floored, but Tennessee, just right now, they don't do anything particularly well. Um, you know, we wrote a piece at the Athletic uh, today that you can read, kind of looking at why is Tennessee disappointing, and I highlighted a bunch of different reasons, and uh, it's all over the field. Can they figure something out? And of course, what happens at quarterback is really interesting as well. Uh, you know, I don't think I wouldn't bet on Harrison Bailey necessarily to start, but Jeremy Pruitt non-committal. In terms of what they're going to be doing, uh, cited competitive advantage, Jared Garantano with a uh, head injury against uh, Arkansas a couple weeks ago, missing practice. So Tennessee just needs something good to happen. I don't know that we're going to see that, but the pursuit of it will be interesting, and that's what I'm looking for on Saturday. Yeah, I think a – well, I was going to say I think a fast start is important, but last time we saw Tennessee, they got off to a fast yeah, start. Yeah, I think it's – I think the bigger thing is not getting outscored by 20 points in the third quarter. <laughs> That, Coaching that's tips really from a key David to any Hubbard. game. Yes, people always overlook that. People never say the key to this game, John. You know, you just gotta you gotta knock it out. Score twenty four nothing in the third quarter. If they can do that, I like their odds to win the game. I mean, the third quarters. You know, I think this season it's uh, sixty one to seven. I think in the last in the last uh, 
uh, I want to say four games. The second half, they've been outscored eighty-eight to seven. I and believe that's right. Fair or not, that's a stat that fans who aren't happy with the coach are going to just keep addressing. We get out, you know. Well, I think it's fair. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> Halftime adjustments on both ends. Why, you know, why are we coming out of the locker room and getting our you know what kicked in the third quarter? It's easy to point to the guys, you know, the the, the man running the show there. Yeah. Well, my second most interesting game, I, I can Georgia flex a little bit? Can we see that? Georgia facing Mississippi State. They're hosting them. This is a game Georgia should. I don't know that they're going to win this thing 51-3, but can they really, can we see a little something out of Georgia? They've, you know, the quarterback position is still a little up in the air, but this is a game that you should win handily and easily. Can you actually do that? That's what I want to see. You know, we know Georgia is probably not. Uh, a team that looks like it can beat Alabama or Florida this year, but there's still a team that has uh, an elite roster that has some issues at quarterback. But can they flex a little bit? Yeah, I, I think know. I think you frame it in a good way there because if we want to start thinking about Georgia like we were thinking about them earlier in the year, you're right. This is a game they need to dominate. Last time out, Mississippi State punted seven straight possessions against Vanderbilt. They couldn't mm-hmm. do anything for basically the latter three quarters of the game against a bad Vanderbilt defense. Georgia should not allow Mississippi State to score more than 10 points in this game. And Mississippi State's got a decent defense, but again, last time out, they gave up 400-plus yards to Vanderbilt. So Mm -hmm. uh, you're you're right. If Georgia wins this game 27-13 to and just looks lethargic doing it, I think it's further... You know, adds to our like, what's the deal with Georgia? And we, yeah. in, in, in the way we evaluate teams, it almost separates them even more from, obviously, from Alabama, but even from Florida. Well, Ole Miss, Texas A&M has already been postponed. Missouri, South Carolina, they're flirting with it a little bit. Both I don't teams. think they'll get there, but I believe Missouri is sitting at 54 or 55 players right now. Uh, Dominic Jacinto went in the transfer portal. One of their receivers, they're right on that line. You get one positive test and a few more guys via contact tracing, and ten and, th- and this game very well may not happen. Uh, the battle for Columbia, I, 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 you know, obviously, I think I just want to see what does South Carolina look like uh, post must champ. You know, do, do is this a situation where it's just tank time, or is this a situation where hey, this is what we got, and you're going to see a team that really fights? I don't know. I think both of those scenarios are both. Probably equally likely, but it's going to be interesting, and that's why it's that's what that's why it's next on my list, and, and I'm I'm very curious what they look like. Yeah, South Carolina's flirting with the, the number as well, and they had four opt outs. Josh Kendall's had a series of yeah. good stories about South Carolina. Three starters in the defensive backfield, and that's a problem too. It's not just the COVID issue; it's injuries and opt outs too. So these teams are getting dangerously close to those numbers. If I had to guess. I would lean more towards tank than rally, you know, circle the wagons. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just, they have been atrocious the past few weeks. I think they're saying the right thing. They'll come out, they'll pretend to be energized. And then if they're down 10 nothing, it's like, here we go again. And so I think it's a great opportunity for Missouri to jump on them. Yeah. And I think, you know, people always talk about, oh, they've lost the team or they've lost the locker room. Well, I think opt-outs and transfers are the surest signs of that. And we've seen that, you know, at, at, at South Carolina, obviously. You know, the guys are just don't seem like they're invested. And I say this in relation to, you know, Tennessee, maybe LSU, a few others, that are kind of struggling this year. 
when you see that, I, I think it's a more tangible way to say, oh, maybe he really has lost the team. If you see this huge wave of opt-outs, and we haven't, you know, we saw some of that at LSU to start the season. Haven't really seen that at Tennessee, but it's it's interesting. Um, and I think it's nice, you know, college football is the most secretive sport that we have. Um, it's really hard to get a feel for exactly what's going on inside of a team. It's one of the reasons why our exit interview series that I do is really popular because you have people that uh, are inside the program and can give you some insight into that. But I think these opt-outs give us a little more information and a better feel for what's really going on if people are just like, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this right now. Yeah, because these opt-outs, I mean, the, the, the players have the right, um, but I don't want to speak for every guy, but these aren't really COVID-related anymore, and I know there's been a spike, but these guys seem to be leaving yeah. because they're just enough, enough of this crap. You know, like we're, our season's not going the way we wanted to go. I'm just go train for the NFL. I'm hitting the transfer portal. Seems to be more guys hitting the transfer portal midseason, which really doesn't make sense. Like you have to finish out, you know, your, your, your I guess the semester's all, almost over. It just seems like there's, there's more guys midseason transferring than ever before. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, next up, can Kentucky slow down Alabama at all? Nobody's really done it. Uh, Kentucky, you know, after last week, you have to kind of wonder what's going on with their defense. Uh, if this first half of the season was maybe a mirage or if, or if last week against Vanderbilt was uh, a bit of an aberration. But if they can slow down Alabama a little bit, you know, I don't think they have a chance to win this game. But if you can slow them down, I, I'd be curious to see, you know, what that can do and how many, if Kentucky finds a way to do that, they don't have super spectacular personnel. If they find a way to do that, do they maybe set somewhat of a blueprint for teams with better personnel? You know, once you get in the playoff, maybe that's an Alabama. Maybe that's a Clemson. Maybe that's, of course, a Florida who has really great personnel in the SEC championship. Do they steal some of those same things to try and slow them down? Uh, especially when they don't have Jalen Waddell, um, which his status sort of for the playoff sounds like it's a little bit TBD and some hope where there maybe wasn't hope. But that's kind of what I want to see is, is Alabama just, you know, there's not a lot of great defenses in the SEC this year. It's pretty much just, you know, Georgia, uh, who is looking shaky as ever. Uh, you know, in some ways, I suppose, uh, you know, Alabama's kind of. But Kentucky and then Arkansas has looked really good too. But can Kentucky slow them down? That's the biggest thing I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I know this was a long, long time ago, in, especially in this season. It seems like forever ago. But you know, Ole Miss goes up to, uh, to Lexington, scores 42 points, runs all over them. I think wasn't it the game they had like 400 rushing yards, or was it the other way? Mm-hmm. Did Kentucky? I think no. I think Ole Miss uh, ran the ball. No, I think it was actually Kentucky. Ran, whatever they scored 42 points. Uh, I think. I think the problem is going to be Kentucky's offense. I know they scored 38 points against Vanderbilt last week, but their offense has really struggled. Um, obviously, the, they scored 34 against Tennessee, but that was uh, eight defensive scores. I think Terry Wilson played well last week, but Vanderbilt got absolutely no pressure on him, made his life simple. I think Alabama is going to do things to put him under pressure, and that's and that's going to make life difficult. So I think Alabama, you used the term flex early for Georgia. I think Alabama flexes its offense and defense in this game. I think they win very, very comfortably. Mm-hmm. Battle for the boot. 
Arkansas, I like them in this game. I, I think, you know, you look at these two teams, Arkansas plays tough. LSU does not. And I, you know, maybe that's a bit of a football guy take, but I've watched a lot of these two teams. You just don't see that much toughness from LSU. They just seem, you know, broken is probably a uh, oversimplification. But Arkansas is a tough out every single week. And, you know, Arkansas, the, the, the talent gap is probably not as far as it seems. I like Arkansas in this game. You may, you laid out, you know, at the start of the show how hard that is to believe. But I think I think Arkansas is the better team here, which is – Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I That is a sentence That's that I said out loud, wow. and I think I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> here's, a, here's a scary stat for LSU. Now, we know their defense has struggled. They're 13th in the SEC in total defense and yards per play allowed at 7.19, just barely ahead of Ole Miss. Listen to the teams they've played offensively. The 6th ranked team, 9th, 10th, 12th, and 14th. They have not played a top five offensive team, and they're still the second worst defensive team. So there's nothing fluky Mm -hmm. about their defensive struggles. And I I wonder, this is – Urban Meyer didn't make this up, but I remember him saying it once about his Florida teams. It's like, we got a lot of guys on third base who think they hit a triple. Like, guys who just come into the program as young guys and think, oh, I'm at Florida football. I've got it made. I wonder if there's a little little bit of that with LSU. A lot of the young guys on the team that were on one of the greatest teams ever last year and Uh didn't realize you can't just plug and play, especially when you lose so many key guys. So I'm not saying that's the problem there. There are a lot of problems at LSU. But you're right. Right now, Arkansas is a better team than LSU, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won this game. Mitch. Yes. Is there a reason that we need to watch Florida Vanderbilt? Well, I'll be watching Florida Vanderbilt because <laughs> I work with I work with Alan Taylor, our Florida writer, and my yes. son, and I'm a Vanderbilt grad, my son will be watching the Commodores and he won't let me turn the game off. So I will be watching the game. <laughs> Look at that commitment. <laughs> commitment. <laughs> yes. Um my son won't be wearing his Jordan Rogers jersey anymore because he outgrew it. But you know he's you know a big fan of Jordan Rogers and The Bachelor. But <laughs> um, you know this game reminds me of I think it was in 1996. Danny Werfel comes up here to Nashville, and I was uh, just out of college. I was in the press box, and I think it was a 43 point spread. And I remember Tim Brando doing the game for JP. And he just walks by. And he goes, "Who gave Timmy B the big stinker of the week, or something like that?" <laughs> and it, it game went, Van, Vanderbilt is back, and I don't mean that as a compliment. <laughs> it went down to the wire. Actually, it was a seven-point game. It was a twenty-eight twenty-one point twenty-eight twenty-one final. Florida wins at the end. Um, I don't think it'll be this close tomorrow. I think Florida can. I thought the spread actually was a low at thirty. I think Florida mm-hmm. can name its number. I don't. You know, we we have to go through all the scenarios. Uh, for the playoff, but as we know, David, college football is a beauty contest, and they need to look as good as possible as often as possible. So the last thing Dan, Dan Mullen wants is to come up here to Nashville and struggle and give any committee member a reason to to knock them. So I think they're they're on a mission to play as well as possible in every game possible. Hammer about to drop. <laughs> well, uh, looking beyond just this week you know we've been looking at lists lately mitch and sort of talking about big picture where we are in the sec and you mentioned you wanted to talk about the best jobs in the sec as coaching carousel and the silly season starts to begin i don't know that south carolina is going to make either of our top five but still a good job with some upside but we're going with the five best jobs in the sec we should start at number five. And I want to frame Mitch, this just, just so the ahead. listeners know. The way I position this to David is, 
you're a free agent head coach. You're David Ub, and you, you've won five straight AAC conference titles wherever, or, you know, MAC, whatever, and, and you, you can have any job. You're not picking – you're picking the program – whatever that involves. We're not the current roster, so we're not saying, oh, I want to go to this school because they've got a great sophomore yes. quarterback. Like, ro- Take the roster out of it. but All of the rosters are identical. But factor Well, in, I say identical. That doesn't really make right. sense. But Fa- Factor r- in regardless. tradition, commitment, stadium, just everything, local fa- you know, recruiting base. So factor all that in when making this decision. So yes. do, are we starting with one or are we starting with five? Let's start with, let's start with five. Okay. My number five which you could make as well all these you could make arguments for much, being much higher. My number 5 is Texas A&M. Okay. Uh, the the one there's two knock knocks against it for being higher. One is they've never really done it. There's a reason, you know, why, why hasn't Texas A&M won big consistently? There's a lot of factors for that. And the other is there's a lot of competition for players. They live in a great they, they're in a great state for players, but there's a ton of competition even Texas is struggling right now, but Texas is still recruiting relatively well. Uh, but Texas A&M commitment, what, they spent like three-quarters of a million dollars on facilities recently. There's everything in place at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. My number five is Florida. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> are, they, are, they, are, they, are they your Mac Jones? Yeah. Some <laughs> of the similar reasons. You know, obviously a lot of the pieces are in place, but I, I really, really prioritize recruiting base. What, how easy is it for you to amass talent? And Florida, you can pretty consistently recruit at a top 15 level. If you get it going, you can get that much, much higher. But it's more difficult when you get – you haven't seen Miami and Florida State cook at the same time when Florida is as well. And I think that those two schools – you know, you mentioned the competition for Texas a and I'll get into – Texas A&M is higher on my list. But I think the competition in Florida is more uh, – difficult and cutthroat than it is in Texas um, for a variety of reasons. Um, but again, you have two really elite programs um, in your state uh, that make things a little bit more difficult. Florida, the history is not as rich as people would think it is. It's recent. Uh, I think people forget that. You know, a lot of that really started with Spurrier. Um, you know, you, you look at the majority of college football Florida is a great program, but it is not one of the like all-time, all-time programs. So, uh, Florida is my number five job. Okay, I will. Florida's higher on mine. I'll get to them eventually, and I'll talk <laughs> about some of the reasons I like them. My number four is LSU. Um, I, I'm with you on. This I one. think for obvious reasons, uh, being the dominant team in its state, the only uh, Power Five team in its state. And they, you know, Alabama has come in and, and stolen some recruits from them, but at LSU, I think There's it's enough to go around. Every year since 2000, I think Landon Collins in 2012 was the last number one player in the state not to sign uh, with LSU. And um, this is this relates to basketball, uh, but it's really true at LSU across the board. Kevin Stallings was once recruiting a uh, player from Louisiana, and he said Roy Wait because he used to work for Roy Williams. He said. Roy Williams used to tell me when you're about recruiting kids from Louisiana, it's like, they're going to LSU. They might not know it. They might not want to go to LSU, but they're going to LSU. And I, <laughs> I, I think that's basically what you, what you get at, at Louisiana. You, you, it's like you have the right of first refusal on all those great players in that state. And it's, it's sort of like LSU in regard to traditions, probably not as great as, I mean, sort of like Florida, traditions not as great as some people would think, but clearly they can win at a high level. 
And you mentioned Landon Collins. I seem to distinctly remember at the All-American game, his mother... Yes. Not, not pleased. pleased. <laughs> not pleased at the decision to go to Alabama. <laughs> so that's how hard it is to get kids out of Louisiana. Their mom yeah. goes on national TV and fights against it. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, culturally, obviously you have tons of fan support. You're the dominant program in that state, a really uh, maybe underrated talent-rich state. Uh, people don't think, you know, you think about the elite states, it's always, you know, Florida, Texas, California, Ohio. Louisiana has a lot of good players um, that, that really get overlooked sometimes in terms of, national reputation um and then of course when you've won as much as lsu has especially of late that that brand still carries a lot and of course having the best team in the history of college football being the reigning national champions doesn't hurt (laughs) exactly so uh lsu both of our number fours i will go and let me hit on texas a&m is my number three okay all the things you said are correct they haven't really gotten there i don't really know why it's one of the great mysteries of college football. Of life, you know, I, I talk think, a little bit about yeah, I talk a little bit about the five pillars of how you build a college football program. I won't get into all of that, but Texas A and M has all of them. How you be great? They have all the things that you require, and I don't know why. But Texas A and M is just different. Uh, you know, I lived in Texas for most of the last decade, and there is no such thing as a casual Texas A and M <laughs> fan, and that can be monetized, and that can be. I say weaponized. That's probably too strong of a word. But that's a very real thing. You know, you look around at the state of Texas. You know, Texas fans, they have probably the most casual fan base. They have the biggest fan base, but it's a lot of just like when they're good, I'll watch. There's a reason why their attendance is not, uh, you know, the same that it is at, at A&M. And then, you know, Baylor and TCU and all those Texas Tech, all those other schools. A&M is just different. They really do have probably the best fans in college football. And I think that means a lot. And then, of course, you look at endowments and you look at how you build a stadium, how you finance your entire university. You look at the biggest endowments in all of higher education. It's like Harvard, Yale. It's like all these Ivy League schools, and then it's Texas and Texas A&M, the only public schools that are on that list. And oil is a big reason for that. But the money is there. The resources are there. People care. The facilities are unbelievable. And it was my number three job. Again, I don't know why they haven't been able to get up there, but you know, Jimbo's got them You know, at least on the precipice of a playoff bid. Uh, and then I think, too, you know, we talked about there are a lot of teams in Texas but they don't recruit in the same way. You know, you really only are competing with Texas to some extent and Oklahoma to some extent for the elite, elite guys. Yeah. And sometimes the SEC has crashed Texas. But like Oklahoma State and Baylor and TCU and Texas Tech, they're not competing for the five-star kids. They're just not. Uh, you know, the elite guys every single year. And if you can get a little bit of an edge on Oklahoma and Texas for a variety of reasons, you can win those battles. So all those things, talent acquisition, money, um, fan support, facilities, all those things. Texas A&M's got them all. And for that, they're my number three. Yeah, I have a feeling if we did this again in five years, A&M might be higher on both of our <laughs> lists. If they, you know, possible. If they, if, it's so, possible. Uh, my number three team is Alabama. Um, might surprise some people nationally, um, but it's not a great state for high school talent. It's a mm-hmm. good state. But look at Alabama's roster. They go to Texas. They go to my, they've done great in Miami. They come up here to Tennessee a lot. Uh, you have another. Now Alabama's clearly the more dominant program in the state, but they have another national power, another top 10, 15 program 
in their own state to contend with. And Auburn has won national titles. So that just makes your job a little bit more difficult. And, you know, before this amazing Nick Saban run, there have been several coaches not to win at Alabama. So that's, I'm kind of arguing why they're so quote unquote low at number three when they have been maybe we're in the midst of one of the best, maybe the best dynasty we've seen. Uh, so the positives are, are obvious the facilities, the commitment, the tradition. Uh, you know, they've, they've won now under multiple coaches. Um, you can recruit nationally with that brand. Najee Harris is what from the Bay Area. So mm-hmm. obviously a lot to like about Alabama. I've got them number three. Yeah, you know, I, they're my number two. And I think it's it's possible that people really overrate the Alabama job because of all the great coaches that they've had that are all-time coaches that have won at different places. And considering that Alabama is obviously the best program in college football right now, they're so um, inextricable from Nick Saban that it's hard to make them think about it. And but but when you look back and you watch Alabama in the the Mike Shula years and and uh, all of those the the times when they were struggling, it's it's it does it's not the easiest thing to get them to restart. Um, I got them at number two, but I think you can make a case in terms of pure program for any of the teams in the top five: Florida, yes. LSU, Texas A and M to be above them because of that talent acquisition side, which I think is the most important thing. How do you get players? And have you have to go outside your state. You got to win. You got to hope that the people around you aren't winning a lot. And you got to hope that you got a coach that can do it. Um, and that's not always easy. So I've got Alabama number two, but I'm wondering if maybe I have them slightly overrated. Yeah. And it's kind of a compliment to where they are now that we're, it's true. We're, we're both saying like, I grew up, my dad's from Birmingham. My dad went to the university of Alabama. I'm very familiar with the program, uh, all their struggles before the Saban era. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's not a, just put any coach in there and they're going to win big. They found that mm-hmm. out. So, um, my number two is Florida. Um, I agree with some of the things you said about the recruiting there. One thing that attracts me as a potential coach is there they've they've done it under multiple coaches. You know, Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier. Now you could argue those are two of the best coaches in the past you know thirty years in college football. Um, but I think it is as as the state university and one of the two main state universities in Florida. The the such a hotbed for talent. It you, you can't go wrong there, and you know. They've got a top. I think their class right now is number seven. Dan Mullen's a good recruiter. He's never been known as just you know that's not his strength. I want to say he's more of an X's and O's guy. But the fact that he's before he's really gotten it rolling has a number seven class that shows me in a few few more years of this they'll be up in the top five there. Urban Meyer was recruiting top five classes there even when Florida State was better than it is now. So uh, again, can make a case for any of these, but I've got Florida number two. So we agree on number one which would be Georgia. My question to you is, is there a better job in all of college football? Because I, I say no. I have said this for years. Even before, you know, during the Mark Richter era, we'd have these discussions at Athlon. We would do lists like this. And I have always felt that Georgia was the best job in the country. The best. Um, Absolutely the best. The talent. And just look at SEC rosters and ACC rosters and just how many kids are from Georgia. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Great town. If that fact, if you if you, you're trying to convince your wife where you're going to go live or you want to go live, you can't go wrong with Athens. And they're not far from Atlanta. It's a good school academically, mm-hmm. and it is a great stadium, great fans. There's everything you need to win there, and it meets the da- no in-state competition. Right, it meets the David Ubbin number one <laughs> thing on the list. Access to talent, 
in ability to dominate the talent. Now, they have, you know, a lot of people like to point to the players from Georgia that they don't have. Clemson has has kind of risen, emerged as a national power with the Georgia guys. But Georgia's fine with that. They get the Georgia guys they want, and they go national. Look at their class. They'll go to California. Kirby knows that they don't need – he doesn't need to put a fence around Georgia because he goes and picks the guys he wants and then goes elsewhere. There are so we've seen that just in the last couple of weeks. There are so many elite guys, five stars, that no matter who is coaching Georgia, you got a great shot at getting those guys. I mean, we saw that Smile Munden, Amarius yes. Mims, the two guys that just got uh, added to their class. Those are five star guys that I'm sure Georgia did a great job recruiting those guys, but they were heavy favorites to go to Georgia the whole time. And you have all these programs that are coming and trying to pick them out. But there just aren't that many programs that in any given class, you've got a handful of high four stars, five stars, that you're probably going to get, regardless of who you are at Georgia. And obviously, if you have a great coaching staff that prioritizes recruiting and is good at recruiting, like Kirby is, where they've really ramped this up, uh, that is going to make things a lot easier. But the degree of difficulty there in terms of recruiting is is much lower, and Georgia is just an elite job for it's, all the reasons that we hit on. It's the one of Ari Wasserman's uh, theories of, of recruiting, why Ohio State has such an advantage. Georgia, and I'm just basically piggybacking your point, Georgia doesn't have to work as hard to get the five nope. stars in state so they can devo- devote resources elsewhere to go get the players they need. A lot of other schools, if they might get a five-star out of Georgia, they're working on that kid for two or three years. They're visiting, doing, you know, in normal times where Georgia can just – and not saying that they just have to send the guy a letter and offer a scholarship. You know what I'm saying. They just don't have to devote the resources to get some of those in-state kids, which frees up. Because you only have so many man hours. I think, that, yeah, I think the simplest way to say it is you don't have to convince kids to go to Georgia. You have to lose kids. You have to give them a reason not to. You have to do something to screw it up. If you just – you know, hit the ball 240 yards down the middle, hit the green, two putt for your par, you're getting a bunch of five stars. And that's how you build a program. So, thanks but for you listening, need, guys. Well, hold on, hold on. For, but you ahead. need the quarterback, as we've learned. Yeah, but you need a good quarterback. You can go to Texas and get those. There are a dime a dozen out yeah. there. Go get you one. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for subscribing. we got a full week of content. Uh, leave us a review, five-star rating, and subscribe. If you haven't already, then you don't have to chase down the show it'll be delivered uh to your device five days a week and if you're not a subscriber to the athletic change that theathletic.com slash grits listen to our show every day the andy staples show the audible all of our other conference specific shows check us out and of course all those will be uh, ad free and you can have access to all of our writing on our college football team and every other sport it's a fantastic bundle thank you guys for listening we'll see you again on friday (laughs) 